Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How are you now broadcasting from the city of Sydney, New South Wales, Australia, planet Earth. Uh, this is uh, The Bip Show, Season 5, Episode 13. Don't forget to subscribe, rate us wherever you get your podcast. Uh, it would be amazing if you could do that for us. Fantastic uh, as we head into this amazing silly season. A reminder, all financial information in this podcast is general in nature only. If you don't know what that means, please switch off now. If you need an advisor or a professional person to help you with your needs, which, which everyone does, I believe, uh, please let me know or please let this young man know as well. Um, now, myself, I'm James Whelan, Investment Manager at BFS Group. Uh, Colgo is back from Davos, but he took the cab to the wrong place. We hope he gets here by next week. The episode has been recorded, as I said, in Sydney on the 14th of October 2022. The time is 12.14. This is actually being recorded after the recording that I just did with Carl Siegling from Cadence Capital, and it's going to sound like it's, it's before it. So anyway, here we are. I am joined by... Um, a, a, a man who was instrumental in the starting of and the foundations of the BIP show because he did allow us to, to record out of his offices during COVID. John Athanasio of Redleaf Securities. Uh, how are you now, John? James, I am great. Thanks for having me on. I'm like a long-time podcaster, first-time guest host. <laughs> it's uh, great to be on, buddy. Yeah, now uh, look, let's just do a quick wrap-through of, of what's going on in the markets. So I just want to get your, your take on, on everything like that. And it being 12.15 on a Friday, you know what is going to happen next. So um, last night we saw that the, the CPI price came through a little bit higher than expectation. Um, everyone knows the numbers. The market, as would have been predicted, did have a bit of a correction off that. Immediate, or not immediately, but over the course of the night, did snap back. And it was one of those insane bear market rallies that I do believe you only see during uh, during bear markets. The snap back, bit of a short squeeze, maybe even a bit of buying activity by uh, other funds looking to sell into it. So... Potentially, a lot of people who are getting suckered into this uh, into this rally of the last twenty four hours may be providing a little bit of liquidity. I know you're a local markets guy. What are you seeing? The floor is yours. Okay, so what am I seeing? It's midday, as we just mentioned. There's less than a billion dollars worth trading at the ASX. That is abysmally poor. I know it's a Friday. Everyone's thinking about getting their drinks and so on and so forth. But the sun has just come out. <laughs> the, the sun's come out finally in Sydney. It's been raining all freaking year. So. What does that tell us? Listen, a billion dollars being traded, that's telling you that no one really believes in that rally, in my opinion. Everyone's still concerned about inflation and justifiably so. Um, in our opinion, now I don't want to call it too early, but is this a bear market trap? I'm not so sure. I think this might potentially be the beginning of the end. No, really? We're, we're probably closer towards the end of the bear market. Okay, go on. Then we're out to start. Yeah, why is that? Well, how often do we see such turnarounds in the market without a continuization of the market rallying going forward. The short, the shorters have just done their asses last night and they're probably <laughs> going to continue to do so. And, you know, as a, you know, as a bullish guy, it's great to see them get, getting, getting done. But 
in my opinion, has, um, you know, has the, um, you know, has all the bad news been priced in? I mean, we had 40-year um, inflation figure, one of the worst figures in 40 years in the United States. Yeah. And still we turned around and had a rally over 2%. Yeah. I, I, I'm looking at the tweet that you had here from four hours ago. Just, yeah. It was a tweet of the Bloomberg headline. It, it, it's something that you said, when markets rally after really bad news, you are close to the bottom of the market. It, 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 look, if you want to stand by that, you can stand by that. Myself, I do believe that, that, that it's a bit of a sucker punch potentially. Yeah. If it does rally off this, someone compared it to, uh, say, the sort of price action that we might have seen through March, that, that March, April, May sort of area of, of 2020 with COVID and everything that, that had that had to happen there. What happened then was massive amounts of stimulus coming into the market that people had already started to suggest. You had the Fed that was going in to buy bonds actually literally on the market supporting uh, supporting corporate uh, activity in that particular regard. There was a lot that was there was a lot that was favouring the market back in 2020 that I don't believe that that's there now. Until I hear or see the Fed change their tack, I will not be an exuberant participant in this market. However, I am invested. I mean, I'd love, I'd love to you be always guy. Are. I was just yeah. like, I know, it's sort of, it's, it's, it's part of the job. We have yeah. to be. Yeah. Um, just not fully invested. Um, not like, it's, it's amazing. So a good little prelude to talking to, talking to Carl Siegel. He's not bound by the same things that I am with some of his some of the work that he can do. So he can go long short, mm-hmm. and he does actually talk us into how the long short uh, stuff, that the, the works that he does and some of the things that he's shorting as well. So stay tuned because that's going to be coming up as well. Um, now, what about any any stocks that you're seeing at the moment? Any 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 areas? He did talk about the strength of that we're going to see. So Carl t- t- talked about some of the strength that we're seeing in energy. Obviously, you know the, the joke that's going around the market now. How do you know someone owns Whitehaven Coal? They'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that's certainly true. That is certainly true. Like, I mean, I mean, the yeah. reality is there's only been two places to be in this year, and that is coal, coal and lithium. Yeah. And you'd have to be. And how many people have really been there? Like, you'd have to be pretty fortunate to be in that particular space. Now, what we're seeing is we're seeing a flood of lithium deals coming across our desk. Right. Like, there's one every week at least. Everyone's doing lithium right now. Is that a good sign? That's a sign of a concern. (laughs) That's a sign of concern, James. Um, What that tells you is the market's getting flooded. Now, I am a believer in lithium. I think it's a way going forward. But the reality is... 95% 95% of these companies are going to go under. They're not going to make it. Okay. You know, they're penny dreadfuls, they're hopefuls, they hope to find something, and probably never will. Yeah. These aren't your deals, are they? Of course not. No, okay. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the industry, folks. <laughs> it's all right. No, it's all right. We won't name, we won't name names. No. You, but, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's a grab for cash for things that are going to be there. Because lithium is hard to get out of the ground. Well, there's actually a lot of it. It's the extraction process. It's a real pain in the ass. Yeah. Now, you know... I'm not a geologist, far from it, we're not going to get into it, but all you need to know, there's a lot of it and it's really hard to extract that to get to the final product. And another thing worth noting is there's slowly beginning to be a bit of a blacklash against lithium. Oh, really? Like, it's not as clean as people make it out to be. No. The the Chilean pushback, so the two two superpowers of the world in 20 years' time should be Australia and Chile because we've got the lithium, we've got the copper. Uh, Chile... Uh, you're seeing what actually lithium mining actually does to to the planet, and there's there's a bit of a restraint on that on that going forward, and that's going to be the same thing across the rest of the world. So that's why there's such a there's such an exuberant such an exuberant demand for fossil fuels and for coal because people realise that, that those are things that are going to have to stick around for a long time and keeping things in batteries maybe that, isn't the way. 
I agree. And I think the thematic, talking about energy, the thematic that we should really be focusing on is uranium. Yes. I think if we're serious about getting rid of our emissions, the political winds have to change, and they're beginning to. If you just watch the news in Europe, I know you're all over what's going on with um, Nord Stream, so on and so forth. But, you know, you look at the European countries, all of them have got themselves into a real mess, with the exception of France, because, what, 70% of the energy is nuclear? A fair amount, and they're still managing to find their way into a mess as well. Well, not, not as bad as... The fuel crisis going on. Well, they're, they're not a Germany. Yeah. Yeah, they're not a Germany. It's, it's not a Germany. They didn't, they didn't put all their eggs in one basket, that is true. Uh, just on that regard. I mean, seeing something like Greta Thunberg coming out and saying that, that, that it would be a mistake to close existing nuclear power plants, that's a pretty big pivot. That is huge. That's a bigger pivot than Jay Powell might make. That is huge. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was the face of clean energy, still is. And if she says coal, I mean, no, sorry, nuclear's okay. Nuclear's okay right now. And there's now. only one person that I want to listen to on my energy policy, and that's that young lady as well. Oh, yeah. well, that's, 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 that, oh, no, that's how we should make all our decisions, shouldn't yeah. we? That's right, that's right. Okay, so any other, any other spaces that you see? Short side, what's, what's over there? Oh, apart from lithium. Apart from lithium. I'm still very nervous about the um, discretionary spending retail space. Yes. I think the numbers are not going to be that fantastic when they come out in the next few months. Yeah. I think we're going to have a pretty um, poor Christmas. Yep. So you got to look into um, retailers um, that are that are price competitive, like your Bunnings of this world. Okay. You know, com- companies that like that could charge a few extra percentage, gross percentage higher margins, yep. and won't lose too many companies. That's why I was quite surprised with the baby bunting response. I mean, uh, for me, that represents good value. Um, Going forward, that kind of, that kind of retailer. Okay. <laughs> I know I'm a little I've bit off the. Got, you and I are going to have to disagree on that. I'm going to touch retail with barge pole at the moment. Anything, yeah. anything in that at all? At all. Um, but... With the local side, I think the contraction in spending is going to be so savage yeah. as more of these mortgage numbers actually start to, to, to get sucked out of people's offset accounts and they see there's less there. You don't need to buy this stuff. Christmas will be the last hurrah. Correct, but like, have a look at baby butts get dropped twenty percent. You know their margin, their gross margins fell by what two point seven percent. Maybe that a little bit aggressive. A little bit aggressive. Uh, yeah. It's an aggressive time in the market, and look, obviously someone wanted to be out of that out of that particular holding in the US. Meanwhile, and then we'll, we'll close it off here with a few last words uh, because Carl actually talked for a long time. Okay, sorry, no, no, no. But the uh, uh, the last thing, earnings recession in the US that we're about to see, so people are going to be sort of freaked out about that. A lot of it's already been priced in. What we don't know is is it going to be one quarter? Is it going to be two quarters of earnings recession recession out of the out of the US? That's a question mark over the market right now. The other big clanger that people need to pay attention to is inventories. Inventories, um, beautiful little piece out from Morgan Stanley overnight, talking about that US inventories are actually growing faster than sales are growing. That causes that that, that spells a real situation. Yeah, going ahead for the US, um, it means that there's going to be they'll either have to flambe their inventory, um, write it off, uh, sell it cheaply, keep prices high and make less sales at the same price so they don't damage their brand or any number of ways. But none of them really spell for, for, for a great and ideal situation for US companies. But would that explain why the US market reacted in such a fashion overnight? Is it is deflation coming? That's the other real question. Mate, when it comes, it comes. Until until it comes, don't try and pick when try, it comes. Because you know, good you, call. You, know what, you know what everyone else managed to get wrong is how, how transitory inflation was actually going to be. Everyone got that wrong. Okay. Even the Fed, and now we're listening to them on this stuff, please. Yeah. Just give me a break. All right. Jonathan, how's your brand of securities? Anything else to say? Enjoy your beer and have a great weekend. No, good on you. Well done, you too. All right, now we can continue this podcast with Carl right after this.
So, yeah, thanks for that. Uh, the way that this podcast was supposed to work is that uh, the conversation I just had with John Athanasio from Redleaf uh, was, uh, was a fantastic conversation, although I haven't had it yet. I'm about to have it next. But the conversation that I'm having right now is with Carl Siegling of Cadence Capital, uh, established Cadence Asset Management in 2003. Um, it's CC, CDM is the ASX code, um, and that came on the ASX in December 2006. Carl has over 25 years, wow, financial experience, uh, having worked for Deutsche Bank, Greenfell, uh, Goldman Sachs, eFinancial Capital, Challenger, which is Challenger, Wilson Asset Management and everything like that. Carl, how are you now? Good. Okay. Yeah, good to talk to you again, James. <laughs> it is good to see you. Now, we, we first met back in 2009. Nine, yeah. I think when, yeah. when we were trying to onboard, I was at Pershing, we'd started yeah. Pershing, we were onboarding you guys yeah. to, to, to use the third-party yeah. clearing services, and I hope that that all worked out okay. Yep. yep. Um, well, of course, so that was... Um, Global financial crisis territory, right? Yeah, just yeah. coming off the back of that. Yeah, yeah. 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 When when brokers needed a, a back office solution for that, yeah. and, yeah. and we, I think we did quite well yes. as well. Yes. And you guys did quite well as well. Sensational. Yeah. So the reason why the, the, the fortuitousness of this conversation is amazing because you're on the road show right now. Yep. And usually I would have just seen you anyway in my yep. office instead of instead of coming out to Milson's Point for the VFS offices. I thought I'd come in and just have this conversation yep. now. Saves us, having, saves, us, <laughs> saves us having to have two conversations to yeah, go through your roadshow. Yeah. I'm also really keen to go through your process, Yes, um, how you do what you do, because I've always, I've, I've actually taken on, in my investing philosophy, yeah. some of the stuff that I learned from you back then. Oh, that's great. You may not yeah. know that. Yeah. Um, so, look, here's, uh, I've got the presentation up. Yep. If for anyone who's listening along, the presentation will be on the website, on Wheeling yes. Capital website, and it's also on your website too. Yep. So if you want to follow along, then go ahead and follow along. So, Carl, uh, mate, first off, always ask the same question of all yep. guests. What do you do and how do you make money? Okay, so just very, very quickly on that before we go into to, you know, topics that are of, of right at the moment, is for us it's always been the same. We like to, um, like every fund manager tells you, they like to buy low and sell high. Yep. All right, and buy low and high, if we're going to be uh, very specific about it, we're looking for something that's fundamentally cheap that we're going to buy or something that's fundamentally expensive that we're going to sell or more specifically short. We're able to benefit from shorting a stock and mm. buying it back at a lower price and making money. So now everybody says that they do that, right? They buy low and they sell high <laughs> and they're doing that all day, every day. Yeah. And, um, and then why we're called cadence is because cadence is, is, is talks to the nature of the cadence of the tide, the cadence when you're riding a bicycle, how you you know you increase and decrease the amount of force that you're using when you're when you're on the rivet, so to speak, when you're really going for it, and when you're not. Yep. That's our that that is our mandate. We're able to move to cash when necessary. We're able to go to fully invested when necessary. We're able to change uh, the sectors that we're operating in, and that's what we call an open mandate. There's very few funds in Australia that are able to do that. Yep. The uh, professional institutional don't call it the institutional Industry is not set up that way. No. It's set up to take a pile of cash and allocate it to an Australian growth manager or an Australian tech manager or an Australian resources manager. And so you would always say, oh, gee, that tech guy did well three years ago. He was in all the fancy stuff. And um, and then it collapsed. Yeah. Or, gee, that resources person did really well in lithium and then it collapsed. Or, gee, in 2003 coming through to 2007, those guys were in – Zinc, uh, you know, all the fancy kind of base metals, they did well. Zenefix went from $2.40 to $23 and then went bust yes. and so on. And so this is what happens all the time. So we have to have a mandate to be able to do that. And 
that is what's so important about the time that we're in right now. It's a very special time. You just spoke about when we when we met in 2009. And when I got going in 2003, that was very special. The small and mid-cap sector in Australia had absolutely imploded after the tech wreck. And everyone talks about the tech wreck, but after the tech wreck, it got much much worse for mainstream small and mid-cap managers. And then after that, there was this beautiful period when stocks were trading at less than cash in the bank and earning cash flow. And because they they were so unloved, it was so hated in inverted commas that that, uh, it got very interesting. And sorry, just to go back to the one point that I didn't say about our process is this idea of buying low and selling high. Your professor at university tells you that and they give you all the tools to do it. The PE, the operating cash flow, the free cash flow, the DCF, the all the fancy stuff there. I'm sure they do even more fancy valuation techniques now. It's I think they do. Yeah. But, but one thing that they was, was was never, this is what they never talk about, which is the guts of funds management. Yeah. Is why does something get cheap and why does something get expensive? Okay. And that's very easy to explain. It's because the participants are animals. Because we are human beings and we're animals. And the thing that dominates us more than a DCF or a FCF or an operating cash flow or a PE is emotion. So we go from hating something in inverted commas to loving something in inverted commas. And we'll go and we'll buy buy something up to a, a company that doesn't make any money. We'll buy it till the till the end, till you know, till it goes to infinity valuation, and then and then it'll all go wrong, and then we'll hate it, and then and so then we'll go from loving. Uh, so when I arrived in Australia, for example, I'll be telling the story. We hated uranium, so there were protests in the streets on uranium. Yes, and then um, what was a lovely thing was to own a four wheel drive that ran on diesel. Because diesel was considered the the thing that was going to save the world back then, yeah. And then and then it moved along, and diesel was the worst thing you could possibly do. And if you if you drove a car with diesel on the back, you might as well just have had evil written across the back of your car. Yeah, you can't find it. And and, and, and then and then they said, okay, well, uranium uranium was evil then, yeah. And now in Germany, they've just declared uranium a green energy. Yep. So it's the one to love now. And so now we've got to get the people to love it. You can see it's so, just, yeah, Greta, Greta Thunberg yeah, exactly. saying it'd be a mistake to switch off the, of, of the exactly. reactors. I and never then, thought that I would hear that. And me. then two or three years ago, the hate and animosity towards fossil fuel was overwhelming. Uh, and I think now people are saying, look, um, 82% of the world's energy consumption is fossil fuel. Yes. So, and, and there's more energy than ever required in the world, and that's not changing because there's two things happening. There's more people in the world, but the most important thing is that people are – the World Bank and all the um, institutions globally are, are very determined to get people from abject poverty to lower middle class mm. or middle class. And so that process involves you using about eight to 12 times as much energy as you did when you were poor. Mm. So as we move the world to a state of being wealthier, the most important thing will be that they'll consume energy and a lot more of it. And the most important thing we do from the moment we're born until the moment we die is consume energy. I mean, we're sitting here with a timber table, yep. which is a lovely table. It is a lovely table. It's been here a very, very long time. Belongs to the landlord, but uh, if um, if we cut this up and put it in the fire, it would only keep us warm for about an hour. Yeah. So so you need a lot of it. And it's, it's like the, 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 the more <laughs> back on back on what you're talking about, the, the loving and the hating. Yeah. For every day longer that I am in this industry, especially on the front line, 
um, doing mm. what I'm doing, talking to people and seeing the market. I, can, I, I bring into more consideration the behavioral side of things than yes. I do the actual other so, side. So that's, that's my, so when people, you know, people say, oh, you love your job and you love, and, and I really like going out and just doing the technical side of it, going mm. and interviewing a company and seeing if it's genuinely cheap or genuinely expensive and where they sit in the marketplace. But what's my real pet hobby is this, you know, is this behavioral thing. It's because it just, I can't believe that it just keeps happening over and over and over again. And luckily it does because otherwise I wouldn't have a job. Yeah, because things wouldn't get really cheap and really expensive. Because if the technicians and the um, Excel spreadsheet specialists were running the place, you wouldn't have this extreme emotion. It would just it would just go in. It'd be fantastic if the market yeah. just did a regular, you know, the, the, the regulation seven percent every year. We could all go to the beach. Exactly. Um, exactly. However, it doesn't work that way. But, but so okay, so now we're bringing. No, let's, 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 so yeah. so we're doing a roadshow, but it's important because it's bringing back about eight months worth of webcasts, audio casts, and newsletters, and compressing them and putting them together to find us in a location that we're in now, mm-hmm. which is a very, very special time in history. This is not this is not just a little thing. We're at a very, very important time in history. Okay. So, we'll, and, I'm, and we'll go through that, and that's why I'm doing the roadshow. Uh, so, so just very quickly, so the fund, you know, has outperformed the market quite significantly over the last period, and we were set up 17 years ago. We wanted to do... We'd said we wanted to do between 15 and 20% per annum. We're at about 12 or 13% per annum now. And we're doing about nearly double the market. And my goal is over the next three years to get the 20 year numbers and then be able, and then by then, hopefully, we're done double the market for 20 years. And then we can go, and then because of the luck of it all, I started young. We can go for another twenty years. Yes. So, so we'll be in it for forty years, and then we can go to the beach. Yeah. Then we'll be the only ones with a forty-year track record, maybe. But then maybe there'll be others. I hope hope there are. And and in between all of that, we've been holding, you know, twenty-five percent cash. We really don't go that hard at things. Yep. uh, From an exposure point of view, and we're paying nine percent fully frank yield, which is important. We've increased our yield. I did notice that, and that was something that was very attractive when the when you went the IPO. A while back, yeah, just, just yeah, how strong that strong that, yields yeah. to get it out to, especially a lot of our clients are self managed super funds, trustees, and that style of investor. Yeah, they very, very, very much value franking. Okay, so which is not in those numbers. No, 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 no that's uh, absolutely. And, um, and, and then also, since we last spoke, we've launched a second fund, yes. which is more of a short term trader fund called Cadence Opportunities Fund. Yeah, and it, that's here. It has about forty million dollars. The stock code CDO. Yep, it's run about thirty eight percent performance for the last four years. So that's just long, short, in and out. Same thing, but smaller positions and shorter timeframes and benefits more from volatility. And, you know, that that was set up at a very nice time because the volatility has been... Yeah. through the roof. It, it, yeah. it absolutely yeah. has been. So what's what's the average turnover for that? That's not in front of me. Oh, that's so so the other fund has an average um, turnover for the big positions of about 0.6 times and the small positions four to five times. So you end up with an average of about 1.2 for the big fund, Cadence okay. Capital Limited. Yep. This one's almost double. Okay, yeah, yeah which, so, which you would expect. Yeah, that's yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, and, okay. So then, and so then importantly, what we, we just did this in the intro then, Importantly, this fund has an open mandate. But what does that mean in a time like this? It means that technology and telecommunications and everything were the sectors that were performing three years ago. We got into some of those cheaply. When they rolled over, we sold out of them. That's the process we tell you of scaling in and scaling out. Then we got into energy and resources very cheaply, and we've rolled into those, and now we hold those. And so we've also started to short stocks. So we've started short short very, very expensive PE stocks, and they've started to go lower. Is that what your rules are on the shorting side of things? I'm going to ask you about what what, what was your trigger and actual indication of eventually So there's a a whole slide on... um, on this, but put very simply, the energy stocks went to one times cash flow. 
yes. which meant that so, – so one and a half years ago, Whitehaven and New Hope got to a valuation where if the businesses lasted 11 months, you would get your money back. Yeah, that's all they needed to do. It lasted 11 months Yeah, at, the, at that coal price. So now the coal price has doubled – and you know, would know that New Hope is about to expand their volume and Whitehaven's got full back to full production. Yeah. And so despite the fact that these coal stocks have gone up considerably in price, they're cheaper than they have ever been. Whitehaven and New Hope are yielding about 48 to 58% free cash flow yield at the moment. <laughs> and their, op, their fully franked yield is about 20% fully franked. When you look when you look back and you just go, that was the freest of free kicks you could possibly imagine on that one. Mm. Um, the, uh, and and, and by the way, you didn't have to take the risk. So, 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 you know, we always say we like to leave the first 100% to someone else. Yeah. We did that in both those stocks. So they collapsed, then they started to recover, and then we put it in. And the free kick is with Whitehaven in particular – was they remember they were at eight hundred million of debt, and then they got the cash flow, and then they had no debt. Yeah. So we got serious when they had no debt, That's and they were throwing point. off a billion dollars of cash flow. Yeah, how do you know that someone owns uh, Whitehaven? Because they'll tell you. Um. Exactly, <laughs> and there's not many people that can tell you. So, so listen to the hate. Okay, oh. the hate's so severe that most funds are not allowed to buy it. Really, it's out what of do you mean by that? Well, so the institutional the the. Asset allocators yeah. and they won't allow funds to buy fossil fuel because it's a coal because it's a coal stock. Yes, yeah. And, and despite the fact that Australia, Australia's largest export is coal. Yeah. So, so here we are sitting in New South Wales. If you look outside now, it's a lovely view. We just exported Australia exported a hundred billion dollars of coal. That's a record ever in the history of Australia, yeah. and that number is going to be a lot higher this year. So it's going to be another record number. And the government and the um, population have received royalties and taxes on that to make these record numbers for the country. And, and that's we why we're so affluent. And the, uh, and the ability to invest in it is limited by everything. I do think, though, just on a side mm. note, that the ESG side is being found out. So the, ES, mm. the, the, the ESG phenomenon, which is like sort of the love-hate yep. situation that you were talking about before, yep. that ESG, when everything was running really well, mm. ESG was fine to have yep. in your portfolio. So you, you may have got a little bit of outperformance because certain things you weren't yep. holding and that's sort of how it went and everyone was happy. Yep. The second the Ukrainian war started, and mm. it was a war, the second that, that that started, some of the headlines that came out within weeks yep. were Bloomberg saying, we should be allowed, some fund managers saying, we should be allowed to put arms manufacturers into our ESG portfolio because yeah. we need them to be able to protect the supply of the stocks that we can't hold. Yeah. Or to, yeah. Pro- to provide yeah. supply for countries. We needed to be able to provide gas. We needed to be able to, And it was the most bizarre mental gymnastics I think I've seen from some yeah. people. With, uh, well, well, but so, so, I, so I have like a tempered view on this. My view is I like to look at reality. So, so, so I'm very much a nuts and bolts person. Let's yep. see what's actually happening. Over the last 10 years, we've, the world's gone from using 82% of its energy coming from fossil fuel. We've, we've spent $3.7 trillion on green energy, and now we're using 81% of the world is on fossil fuel. Now, as, as I'm telling you here, we need fossil fuel. Uh, J- Japan's about to put on three, four new uh, ultra um, coal-fired power stations mm-hmm. because they have to, otherwise they die of the cold. Yep. Uh, and they can't manufacture goods and so they can't live. So uh, th- this is happening. But simultaneously, I am also doing some work for a green energy company at the moment for free mm-hmm. uh, because I think it is very, very important that we increase the amount of green energy in the world and start to substitute 
some of the uh, fossil fuel with green energy or complement it. So there, I've watched. Uh, I've been watching quite a you know as as everyone is, I'm sure, looking at this situation, and going, how do we improve it? There's some really good videos out there. One of them was the future is eclectic, mm-hmm. and the other one is we need more energy. Um, these are TED talks. So uh, so we do need more energy because there's more people in the world and we're all getting wealthier, or we hope that they're getting wealthier. Doesn't feel like it. Uh, no, it doesn't feel like it. Doesn't. <laughs> not, it's all. It's all. Not, not this it's, year. it's all relative. <laughs> but but so we do need to step that way. But then we can't deny the fact that we're very dependent on fossil fuel at the moment. And, and you know, when you say we've been found out, that's another thing we've found out in this conflict between Russia and the Ukraine yeah. is how dependent we currently are on fossil fuel. Oh, for sure. And 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 you know, part of that war. I don't want to claim to be an expert on politics or world wars or anything. I'm, oh, I'm really not. But, 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 but part of that war is for Russia to go and try and get hold of the areas of the Ukraine that have, in actual fact, have yes. fossil fuel. Yes. So that, that, that's what it's all about. That, 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 yeah. is, that it yeah. does seem to be the and, 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 and so now here we sit with the situation where we've got energy security problems in the world again, just like the 1970s. So, so, so look, that's the change in mandate. You can see us having moved into from – into these positions. Yep. There's another slide showing that when times change, we can move to cash. So a while back when this all went very strange and got a bit dangerous, we were holding 50% cash. And then we went to 70% cash and then 80% cash. We're now about 50% cash again. And yep. it's important to realize that we hold, always like to have a little bit of cash in reserve. Our top 20 positions, we've just been talking about them. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of uh, resources, but also there's a number of short positions. Yep. To give you an idea of the type of things you might short in this environment, yep. and there's kind of detailed slides on this, is you're basically um, you're wanting to look at things on, that have reached that state of love where they're on massive PE multiples uh, for reasons that are temporary in nature, and then they're rolling over. So let, let's talk about contain, our two biggest shorts are in the container industry. Mm-hmm. During COVID, we all stayed home and we, we continued to consume our heads off because one of, the, one of my professors told me when I was studying, you know, the purpose of life is to consume. So, so, so we were buying stuff online from China and then it was getting here and then we had nothing to export back overseas. This happened around the world. Yeah, supply chains. So, so the supply chains got distorted. Yeah. And so the cost of, of, a, of, a, of a container going back out the other way became really, really, really expensive. And now that everything, the co- you know, we've opened the world up again, we've, and, and simultaneously people have had to invest in new containers because they couldn't get the containers to bring stuff back on shore. Uh, we've got an oversupply of containers at the same time that the world appears to be going into an in inverted commas a recession. Because yep. We can talk about that a little bit. Demand is, demand um, is definitely demand is coming off. So, the, so these things are coming off. So we're selectively shorting sectors that are overvalued and will fall. Yep. So 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 now is the most important slide that I that I. So for anyone following at home, this is uh, this is about in, this is about interest rates. Yep. So 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 it's I would really encourage people to go to our website and get a copy of this. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'll try and explain it as simply as I can now. It's a very it's easy chart. Yeah, it's an easy chart to explain. It's it's a interest rates over the last two hundred and twenty years, yep. and the average interest rate over the last two hundred and twenty years is eight and a half percent. And there's the important periods. You know, the further back it goes, 
it, in, in a way, history repeats itself, but re recent history is probably more important. Mm -hmm. So if we go back to the ending of the Second World War in 1945, the interest rates did nothing but go up from then until the 1980s. And so interest rates went from about 2% to about 14 to 15% in America. And in, when you start to move further away from America to places like Australia, the interest rates get more extreme than that. Interest rates went to 17.5% on the, on the long term and 21% short by the time you got to 81, mm -hmm. 1981. And so that's the life that people led back then. And when I'm doing my presentations, there's some people in the crowd that are retired now and they nod because they remember that time. They remember paying 17.5% for their mortgage and they remember the battling of the, how much it cost to put fuel in their motor car in 1976. And the Hunt brothers tried to corner the silver market back then as well. And a lot, and there was secured, energy security risks all around the world. There were fought wars over energy. Uh, and that's the type of thing that occurred. There was a lot of mortgagee in possession sales for houses. There was a lot of pain. Okay, so then we had this period that where all of a sudden that ended and interest rates started falling. And in Australia, they went from 17.5% down to 1%. Or to, you could fix for 1.8%, I think, about three years ago. Yep. Uh, and so we had falling interest rates. And so most of the people in Australia in their working lives who are in the, work, in the working stages of their lives now, like you and I, yep. we, all we've ever known is falling interest rates. And so you've only known one trade, which is buy and borrow, buy, borrow, buy, borrow, buy, borrow. And whilst you've been doing that, you've been winning, in inverted commas, because the asset that you bought has gone up in value mm -hmm. and your interest rate payments have gone down because every month or year, the quarter, the bank rings up and says, your interest rates are getting lower, your interest mm -hmm. rates are getting lower, your interest rates are getting lower, your interest rates are getting lower. And so, so many people became what I call, in, you know, tongue-in-cheek, you know, they became property developers or, you know, they were property people, which means they bought the house they lived in and they bought an investment property that they rented out to someone so else. That's probably half of my listener base. So, 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 and so, so that was a beautiful trade. Yeah, it was a beautiful trade. It was easy. And and um and and you know I was um I'm a stock guy. You know yeah. I I bought one property after the GFC and probably will live in it for the rest of my life. Okay. So so um, but that's not what people did. So and then they, then it got to the stage where they went on a holiday overseas, somewhere in Australasia, and they liked it, so they bought a house there too, and then they rented it out on Airbnb or you know what all sorts of websites and then that, that was all a beautiful trade yep. so that all ended two years ago so two and a half years ago we you know when did we have our last live AGM before COVID about two and three years ago two yeah, and a half been 29, yeah, yeah, 29, 29, 29, 29. Yeah. I said to people who here thinks interest rates are going to go up put your hands up Nobody did. And I mean, people were shaking their heads at me and they get so cross about the idea that interest rates could go up. And last year, this time, the Reserve Bank of Australia said interest rates will not go, cash rates will not go above 0% until 2024. We've and that's, that on this show. That, that's our authority. There were caveats to that. Yeah, but, but, yes, yeah, but that's our authority. <laughs> that's on what people rates, heard, yeah. yes, yes, and, yes. And by the way, we should, none of us should be having a go at the Reserve Bank or the government, mm. okay? Because it's not the Reserve Bank's fault and it's not the government's fault. We're all grown ups. It's our fault. It's our fault. So, so, um, so what happens now is interest rates start going up. Yep. And they go up uh, to where we are now. They've gone up so much in 18 months. Hmm. And so now at my AGM, I'm going to get up and say to people, who here thinks interest rates are going to 8.5%? And 
people are going to shake their heads in dismay and they're going to be very, very upset about that. Yes. So, so um, you can, you, unfortunately, people can't see this, but I'll just, I'll just describe it. I've got parallel, parallel lines identical to how interest rates went up from 1945 to 1981. Mm-hmm. And I've done that again, pointing into the future. This isn't a prediction, it's a trend line. And it shows that we get to um, 8.5% in about 18 years' time. And so then after that, we go, in theory, we go, and, and that's very hard, okay? So that's going to be too much for people to get their heads around already, but then then it goes above that again. That's going to be great. So the, the, the entire duration of my working life, we're going to be on increasing, because I'm not, I'm not working past the age of 68. So. But then, so you're going to have one really big benefit at the end of that, which I've been explaining to my young guys as well, because you know, they're, they're younger than us again, yeah. which is uh, when they do retire, the money that they have in the bank at non-risk, they'll be, earning, they'll be earning 15% on it. Well, that's, I'm glad that you've given me something to look forward to on this one. I, 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 we, have, we, we had a conversation about this in our investment committee yeah. this morning, actually, with us at the yeah. FS side of things since we talked about that. And the, and the idea that people could, could have that capacity in their brain to think about where interest rates could possibly go mm. in that 8 in that 9 10% sort of area, mm. it's, it's not even there. Mm. It doesn't exist. I'm, I, I have to remind people, not that I'm that guy of the reminding sort of type of person, but on the yeah. Christmas on the Christmas episode yeah. of this show last year, late yeah. last year, I was widely, widely disparaged. It was mm. actually a little bit insulting when yeah. I suggested that we could go back to 4 or 5% yeah. last well, year. Well, we're, we're above that now. 4% so, is now priced. So if you, if you go and have a loan now and you're getting a letter in the post on the rate that's gone up, it's gone above 5 now. Yeah. So if you've got an existing loan, it's gone above 5 And the real, the real yeah, the, yeah, for people yeah. as far as they're concerned. But it was, it was just that lack of capacity of being able to say, Okay, we, we, we see that there is the chance it is there, James. Yeah, and, and, and also it's more than that. It's more than that. It's the emotion that we spoke about at the beginning of this. People don't want to think about a scenario that looks bad. Like if you don't wake up in the morning, um, if you're not an optimist when you're brushing your teeth in the morning, you know, psychologists would tell you how dangerous that is if you're not an optimist. So, yeah. so you, you kind of have to be. But, but you know, I'll, I think it's the second time I said this in this interview, you've also got to be a realist. So, so if interest rates have gone there before, they can go there again. So, I, so, yeah. I, don't, I, I do not doubt that the possibility is definitely there. Now, um, with the, the remaining time that we've got, what else yes. have we got to get there? Okay, so what happens in this period from 1945 to 1980? Let's reflect on it. Okay. Energy prices go through the roof, yep. just like now. So then in this interview, so in our roadshow, we show people, okay, energy prices have gone through the roof, energy stocks have gone through the roof. Yep. Okay, then we show them that, uh, that um, and, and there's a whole lot of slides on that. Then we show them in the new world of electric vehicles and all that sort of stuff, that the traditional players like us and that don't have much uh, traction it's china that's leading that leading that that thing Correct. and then this is the most important slide i want to leave you with okay. the last time interest rates were three and a half to four percent pe's were 16 by 2020 pe's had got to 30 yep. and they're currently at 23 so when people say well the, can the market fall if the market falls another 15 to 20 percent from here it's still not cheap that's, so that's just, something to say, think about. say that again because I think especially after yeah. last night's price action, and, yeah. this, and this is being recorded, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful sunny Friday afternoon yeah, in yeah. Sydney. And um, just after we had a, what is it, about a, an over 5% intraday rally yeah. off the back of, of um, beyond expectation CPI numbers. Yeah. So, so that's the other important thing to realise is we're going to get a lot of bear market rallies. When, when you have a bear market, 
the stocks go down, 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 and then have a vicious rally. Down, 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 and then have a vicious rally. That's the nature of a bear market. They only, have, but, they only really happen in bear markets. But this is the maths, okay? Yeah. The maths is... So this is page 15. Yeah, page 15. Yeah. The maths in 2010, the PEs were 16. Yep. Interest rates were 3.4. Today, interest rates are 3.75 or 3.7, a bit more than that now. Give or take, yeah. And the PEs are 23. They got as high as 30. So we've already had the contraction from 30 to 23 for large established stocks. And this is this is for large established stocks with good cash flow. Yeah, Every, everything at, else gets obliterated. Apple, Walmart, Microsoft, yeah, correct, Google. Okay, correct. Yeah, so, so then if we drop to another 10, 15% from there, we're on a 20 PE. Nothing special about a 20 PE for those stocks. Mm. So we go we go lower. So this is why we have to short the expensive PE stocks in this environment. And so that's what we've been doing. And so that has been making money for us as well. So in between all of this, what we're saying to you, when you go through all the shorts, you can have a look at them at your own leisure, is that we've got to, here we sit, we're holding 50% cash. Mm -hmm. We have a long portfolio of about, uh, you know, mixed in about 55 to 60%. And then we've got 15% shorts. We're very conservatively positioned at the moment. We've made a lot of profit in the last few years. And so we have a lot of, profit and um, retained earnings up our sleeve. And we do think that this is an environment to be cautious in. And and I like to say this because this is what's changed. This is not a buy-the-dip environment. And so buy-the-dip has worked for the last – it's worked except for um, the tech wreck, the GFC – COVID and 9-11, buy the dip has worked. And in actual fact, even buying those dips has worked. It, 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 I've, got, I've got zero yeah. hesitation to say that the market will be up. And this is obviously mm. general advice only that I say, but I've got all confidence that the market will be up in 12 months' time from where mm. it is now. Mm. Where it will be in two months' time, that's a completely different story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it will probably, you've got a better chance of the market being up in 12 months if you buy in two months. <laughs> yeah, I can't, my, my feel on it is that we could meander now, you know. So we've had all those glamour years. And what, what, what I'm saying to people is when interest rates go up, bonds go down. Yes. When interest rates go up, housing stock on average has to go down because people can't afford the same amount they could pay at 1% or 2%. Yeah. Now they're paying 5 or 6%. And then the other thing, the way to think about stocks in that world is asset prices go down when interest rates go up. The way to price assets, roughly speaking, is a PE, and the PEs compress. The PEs are compressing, and, yeah. and so that's kind of that's the story we've been going around telling people. Okay, and um, and, and you know, there's there's a lot more to this. If you go onto our website, there's whole audio calls and web calls and particular slides of these. Yep, and um, and and probably the most important and controversial one of all of these is that interest rate slide because I forgot to say when we were going through that that slide. One of the conclusions is that to say this to people, I think it's the last point, is not popular. Okay, for a a politician to tell you that your mortgage repayments are going up, for a bank to tell you that your mortgage repayments are going up, for me to tell you that your mortgage repayments are going up, for the the incoming uh, politician to tell you that your mortgage rates are coming up, you can't win votes that way. No. So So no one's going to talk about this. No. It's 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 it, it it will be this weird and it's still it already is this weird this double speak mm. um, of we're going to tell you that all of these things are happening that aren't amazing mm. but we're not going to tell you just how bad it's actually going to be for you and somehow somehow try and get through and, that and, and also what I would say to people because because I'm very much this way it just shows in the way I've said it is 
is is if you made money buying properties in a falling interest rate environment and you bought an investment property and it went up in value and you made money and you told people that at a dinner party and you're proud of that, yeah. uh, you can't then turn around and say it's the government's fault or it's the RBA's fault when it goes the other way. You're a participant. Like you did it. Yeah. So you know, if, if you're going to take if you're going to take partial credit in the rally, you need yeah. to you need to own the correction. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I've got to get over and talk to John Athanasio yeah. now. No problem. Which yeah. is actually now going to be before this conversation happens on the podcast. The, <laughs> okay. the beauty of recording these things. So any 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 last words that you want to talk yeah. about? How people get access to what? It okay. Is so 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 for us at the moment. We've got the two funds, CDM and CDO. We've had this period where we've done well and we're trading at a slight premium to NTA. I'm sorry, slight discount. Which is unusual for us because we had periods when we were at a 20% premium, yeah. 15% premium. So it's probably at the moment is not a bad time to own us just, and also just ahead of the fully frank dividend that's coming up, which ah. is effectively a 9% fully frank yield. Yeah. Uh, and so these are times you've got to invest through time. Okay. We do that for you. Because we hold the cash when necessary, we short when necessary, and we go long when the time arises. So that's the opportunity inside our funds at the moment. And 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 in between all of this, and I want to leave everyone too bearish, you know, this part about asset prices compressing in value is just asset prices compressing in value. To say there's a recession because asset prices have fallen 15%, that's not correct. We have full employment here at the moment. We have um, record exports. We have an Australian dollar that's falling, yeah. which is giving us even more Australian dollars. So we're in not a bad situation here. The point that I'm saying to people is watch out for those asset prices because the asset prices have had a huge tailwind and, you know, now they've got a headwind. Yeah, that, uh, that is a beautiful way to conclude it. Uh, thank you very much, Carl Siegland, Cadence Capital. Cadence Capital. Yep. yep. For joining us and... Uh, Look, I look forward to uh, to getting back in here and getting a beer yeah. in the sun and, uh, at some stage. Of, uh, and and, and nice to talk to you again. Yeah, so it's, it's great just to be able to just, you know, casually say what we're thinking. That's the yeah. idea of this yeah. sort of thing. I, and, and I do apologise to listeners as well. I wish that I had some sort of ways of picking him up or critiquing him, but he has, uh, unfortunately, his, his ideas are exactly in line with what mine are as well. So it makes it very interesting listening. I'm sorry about that. Um, but thank you, Carl, for that. Uh, and, uh, and I'll now wrap up the podcast. You have been listening to The Bip Show. Um, you can find us on iTunes. You know that because you're listening to us probably off there anyway. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. I, I've got these slides are going to be on my website, Wheel and Capital. Google it and you can check it out. Um, that's all going to be there. Uh, individually, I'm at James Wheel and 42 on Twitter. Are you on Twitter? No. Good, smart. That's why you're performing <laughs> so well. Um, this show is produced by, I don't know, Chad Powers. I just made him up. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.